2020. What a year. Fascists, famines, frauds, and floods, riots, plagues. It's starting to sound like what Moses did to Pharaoh. And the nuclear industry? Well, they continue to push for money, money, money to feed the expansion of that deadly seat that we all share. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat, what have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat, the corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat. It's the bomb. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly international news magazine keeping you up to date on all things nuclear from a different perspective. My name is Libby Halevi. I am the producer and host, as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. So I know what can happen when those nuclear so-called experts get it wrong. This week, our annual numbnuts of the year. A look back at 2020 through the lens of Nuclear Hot Seat's most popular feature, numbnuts of the week. Today is Tuesday, December 29, 2020, and here is this week's special Nuclear Hot Seat numbnuts of the year. A look back at 2020's nuclear news from a different perspective. Starting out with this week's brand new Nuclear Hot Seat, Nuclear Hot Seat, Nuclear Hot Seat, Num Nuts of the Week. U.S. News and World Report searched the country to come up with the healthiest community in America. And what did they find? Los Alamos. That's right, the birthplace of the atomic bomb where since April of 1943, they've been working with highly radioactive and toxic materials at the Los Alamos National Laboratory, or LANL, that it's called. And those radioactive toxic materials, those are pollutants that have been released into the air, the water, the land, and the land is porous. So when it rains, all of that deadly stuff drains into the Rio Grande watershed. Now, the newspaper focused on the beauty of the land, the outdoor sports, the high median income, an average of $115,000 a year, and the fact that just about everybody in that county has health insurance. Well, it's a good thing that they do, according to Joni Ahrens of Concerned Citizens for Nuclear Safety, an NGO that focuses on LANL. Of this dubious accolade for health, she states... Considering educational levels, income levels, and recreational opportunities is all well and fine, but U.S. news must include the health, well-being, and economics of people who live downwind and downstream of these communities. By the way, 22% of the residents in adjacent Rio Arriba County live in poverty. Aaron's goes on, Los Alamos County is the location for the only U.S. Department of Energy facility in America capable of fabricating radioactive plutonium triggers for nuclear weapons. Those activities have spread radioactive, toxic, and hazardous pollution into the air, water, and soil over the past 77 years, impacting the health and well-being of workers and neighbors. And 
Lanel continues their operations without adequate plans to clean up the mess that is threatening regional drinking water supplies. So, hey, it might look like a good place to live, but if you want to risk the long-term health and safety of you and your family for a good hike, some nice scenery, and some carcinogenic waste, then you, along with U.S. News and World Report, are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of week. By the way, if you ever want to know the real radiation and toxic pollution impact on a community, talk with local veterinarians about the cancer rate in dogs. It can be a real eye-opener. So that's what a fairly typical weekly numnut sounds like. I promise for the rest of the show, we'll go light on the theme and the final stinger. But I'd like to provide an explanation. While the entire nuclear industry is deserving of numnuts designation, and many of the major stories we follow every week qualify big time for that level, Numbnuts of the Week is reserved for special stories that feature outrageous overstepping of logic and sanity, greed, misguidedness, stupidity, or misguided stupidity, short-sightedness, heck, all the ills that the nuclear industry is guilty of, plus a healthy dose of ridiculous capitalism. Numbnuts of the Week is my chance on every show to have a good old rant and hopefully for you to have a laugh or a jaw drop or a sad head shake at the insanity of an industry whose ultimate end product is the end. No matter what they call it, nuclear is about the extermination of life because, hey, it's not just the fireball of a nuclear weapon, but the everlasting impact of the radiation it leaks everywhere like snot from a toddler's nose. I get to narrate the weekly stupidity. You get to listen. We get to commiserate. And all those trolls who lurk in my audience get to call me shrill. Note that only women get called shrill, never men. And when you look up the synonyms for shrill, you get penetrating, acute, sharp, intense. Well, hey, guys, thanks for the compliment. And keep listening, because you also might learn a thing or two. In any event, this is a stroll through the mm, storm and cluster mm, that was 2020 from a different perspective, leading to our announcement of numbnuts of the year. Let's take a look at radioactive waste numnutsery. Because rad waste ranks along with the Wizard of Oz as that little man behind the curtain that we're not supposed to pay any attention to. But it's there, undeniably, inevitably, probably, eternally. And the nuclear industry does a great job of doing a bad job with it. Take this story about Fukushima. From last January 8, episode 446. In a true perversion of renewable energy concepts, Japan is going to use radioactive Fukushima wood to generate power. The country admits that this will help Japan's goal to repopulate the region that has been struggling to restore its population after the earthquake and tsunami. Interesting that the writer did not at that point mention the radioactive contamination and its ongoing nature from Fukushima Daiichi and the triple meltdown in March of 2011. And while the wood will be reduced in volume by 99.5%, that ash is still going to have radioactivity in it. Shrinking the volume does nothing to the radioactivity except concentrate it. 
but Japan is touting this as a great way to make a lot of clean energy. And that's why anybody who believes in this lame brain scheme, you are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of week. In the UK, here's what they're doing, or not doing, about radioactive waste. From Nuclear Hot Seat 454 on March 3rd. Got too much radioactive waste hanging around? Hey, just dump it in the nearest large body of water, preferably an ocean. That's what they say they're going to do with the radioactive water from Fukushima Daiichi over in Japan. And now, here comes England. The UK's Ministry of Defense is planning to increase discharges of radioactive waste into the Firth of Clyde, pristine coastal waters off Scotland, by up to 50 times. The waste comes from the Royal Navy's submarines and from the processing of Trident nuclear warheads. According to the Ministry of Defense, the proposed discharges were within permissible limits. Yeah? Who gave permission? And who gave them permission to give permission? The Clyde base's naval commander said that proposed annual limits for discharges were being reduced where practical. What does that even mean? He also said there would be no radiological hazard for any member of the public. Nobody can promise that. Nobody. And that's why, UK Ministry of Defense, you are this week's None That's Out of Week. Radioactive waste transportation is always a problem because it takes place on public roads, waterways, railways, and someday soon, might or probably will, be coming to an area near you. Think that won't be a problem? Listen to this numbnuts from number 470 on June 25th. Backers of the proposed so-called interim nuclear waste storage sites, meaning dumps, in New Mexico and West Texas, claim that it will be perfectly safe to ship the accumulated high-level radioactive waste from nuclear reactors all across the country. So let's take a look at that so-called safety factor, shall we? On Friday, June 19, in Andover, Vermont, a truck carrying a new empty storage cask for nuclear fuel rods that was on its way to the shuttered Vermont Yankee plant in Vernon, Vermont, crashed and overturned. According to the head of the company which took part in the recovery of the truck and its cargo, it appeared that the driver had slowed the vehicle down for the road construction area where cones made the lane too narrow for the truck. As the driver moved over in his lane, his wheels ran into the loamy, disturbed earth on the shoulder and began to tip. The load was top-heavy, and it went over. Imagine if it had carried a full load of so-called spent fuel rods, which are still highly radioactive, the exact things that Holtec wants to be able to transport to West Texas or New Mexico. The total weight of the rig and the empty 125,000-pound nuclear storage cask was a total of 210,000 pounds, or 105 tons. Writing the truck took two full days. And we're just learning that on June 4th, a rail car that was carrying low-level radioactive waste caught fire in Bedford Park, Illinois just 11 miles from Chicago's Midway Airport. 
flames engulfed approximately 10% of the car, and it took five and a half hours before the fire burned itself out. It contained zirconium fuel cladding that at one point contained enriched fuel, so there was uranium present. The debris and combustible waste that was being carried was also contaminated with radioactive material. So there you have it. A glimpse into our shared possible future, which is why anyone who supports the two proposed so-called interim waste storage sites in the Southwest and thinks that transporting it across country is going to be eh, no big deal, you are out of your minds, and that is why you are this week's Num Nuts of the Week. And if the nuclear industry is having problems with anything nuclear, just give it another name and poof! The problem doesn't go away, but the majority of people are put off the scent and just don't notice. And that lets them get away with slow motion murder. From Nuclear Hot Seat number 485 on October 17. Utah Corporation Energy Fuels is importing 136 tons of radioactive material from Japan, and the public is not allowed to comment on this because Energy Fuels is calling the material from the Japan Atomic Energy Agency ore, not waste, and the Utah Department of Environmental Quality's Uranium Mills Radioactive Materials Program agreed because the White Mesa Mill already has a permit to process or, put that in quotes, it wasn't required to submit a plan for the 136 tons of Japanese uranium-loaded sands, resins, and carbon left over from experimental nuclear extraction techniques, as well as natural uranium-bearing ores. Once again, semantics in service to nuclear industry malfeasance and public danger. And that is why this week, Utah Department of Environmental Quality's Uranium Mills Radioactive Materials Program and Energy Fuel Resources USA, Inc., you are this week's None Nuts of the Week. And sometimes we get to win one, even if it's probably only temporary. Here's a snippet from a United States Num Nuts, episode 461, from April 22nd the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission is facing protests after proposing that low-level radioactive waste be disposed of in commercial landfills, not explicitly designed to hold it, rather than at licensed radioactive waste sites. Like I said, that was in April, but just this past week comes news that federal regulators are withdrawing a nuclear waste proposal that had prompted an unusually widespread chorus of opposition from those who worried justifiably, that the plan could have led to radioactive waste being shipped to local landfills across the U.S. Under the plan, facilities without specific licenses to handle radioactive waste could have taken it anyway. Isn't that special? But the proposal sparked a wave of pushback from an unlikely alliance of state regulators, environmental groups, and even Texas-based waste control specialists a prominent company in the business of nuclear waste management. WCS wrote in formal comments to the NRC in July, We regret to find ourselves in such definitive opposition to an NRC staff proposal. We are not accustomed to being in this position. Boy, is that ever an understatement. But the pushback worked, and for now, radioactive waste will not be sanctioned to come to your neighborhood dump. We'll see how long that holds. And for all of you pushing back against it, well 
done. So what to do with radioactive waste? Well, shoot, let's just recycle it. Here's a series of serious suggestions, starting out with episode number 460 from April 16. So the Fessenheim nuclear reactors in France, both number one, which closed in March, and number two, which is closing in June, have, of course, piles of nuclear waste. What to do with it? Well, in part, the French government has announced that its new Techno Center proposes to recycle metal from the dismantled plant and others around Europe into everyday household items. Like what, you might ask? Like casseroles and toasters and stoves and box springs, maybe even belt buckles. It's the French government's twisted way of recategorizing nuclear as renewable. But think of the advantages. I mean, the casseroles. You wouldn't have to heat them, just put the food in and the radiation would cook it by itself. Toasters wouldn't have to plug them in ever. Same with stoves, heat by themselves. Box springs, I'm not too sure about. But belt buckles, man, if that's not birth control, I don't know what is. In episode 480 from September 2nd, radioactive waste was proposed to be recycled into batteries. Here's the latest chill to convince you that radioactive nuclear waste is mm -mm, good for you. A company called NDB is touting nano-diamond self-charging batteries, each one powered by a small piece of recycled nuclear waste. Not only do they disguise the radioactive nature of these batteries with two buzzwords and a hyphen between nano-diamond, but they claim that they will last anywhere from a decade to 28,000 years. How's that for a spread? And they won't need another charge until beyond the half-life of plutonium. Their PR talks about it being indestructible, totally safe in an electric car crash, and that at the heart of each cell is a small piece of recycled nuclear waste, high-grade nuclear waste that would be dangerous, difficult, and expensive to store with a very long half-life and leave nothing behind but quote-unquote harmless byproducts. Does the 1950s shill phrase, too cheap to meter, in reference to nuclear energy, ring a bell? Just more propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And that's why, oh, the heck with it, the nuclear industry and all of its manifestations is this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of week. And if batteries and bed springs aren't to your liking, here's another suggestion. From Nuclear Hot Seat number 487 on October 21st, 2020. The Environmental Non-Protection Agency has announced that it will allow what it is calling limited use of a radioactive byproduct of phosphate mining to be used in the building of roads. Isn't that special? A billion tons of the solid substance, phosphogypsum, is piled high in mounds called stacks throughout Florida. The spokesmodel for the Florida Industrial and Phosphate Research Institute said of radiation, eh, it's low level. And we all know how dangerous low level radiation can be if you listen to this show with any frequency. The Fertilizer Institute, 
a group which calls itself the voice of the fertilizer industry. So many opportunities here for non-broadcast-worthy puns, but I will restrain myself. The Fertilizer Institute actually got the EPA to say that, in making its determination, reusing the substance for roads is no riskier than keeping it in a stack. Except the stacks are monitored, separated from homes, schools, people, children, pregnant women, women who want to get pregnant, men who would like to have a sperm count, and so many others. And that's just a short list of the possible repercussions from exposure to low-level radiation. And that is why... Not only Fertilizer Institute, but the Environmental Non-Protection Agency. You are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of the week. Concerned about nuclear safety at shutdown nuclear reactors? Don't be ridic. Here's a numbnuts from episode number 491, November 19, 2020. At the highly radioactive wreckage of the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster, the triple meltdown from March 11, 2011, a worker accidentally pressed the emergency stop button on the monitoring equipment for continuous fission reaction criticality in the fuel debris. This vitally important warning system was stopped for three hours before anybody noticed, and in that three hours, the pressure doubled. While I am not a scientist, my intuitive nature leads me to believe that this was not a good thing, that perhaps it was pointing to the fission restarting in the reactor, and a dangerous situation that didn't have any kind of warning bells and whistles on it, so it could be ignored for three hours. It's not so much that individual worker But TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power Company, that not only can't run a nuclear reactor, they can't run recovery from a nuclear reactor in a way that's going to be safe for anybody. And you're planning on going to the 2021 Olympics? Oi! We're dealing with the exact same thing here in the U.S. At San Onofre in Southern California, not only are they burying 73 stainless steel canisters each five-eighths of an inch thick, that's all, and each one filled with an equivalent of a Chernobyl's worth of radiation, only 100 feet from the Pacific Ocean waterline, they've taken out the warning sirens. And there's so much more numbnutsery at San Onofre, it would take half a program just to go through it, and we've done so many times. But here's another example of warning system numbnutsery, episode number 494 from December 9. Exelon has announced that siren tests will be discontinued in January as part of Three Mile Island's decommissioning process. The 96 sirens are all located within a 10-mile radius of TMI and supposedly are there not to signal to evacuate, but a warning to tune to a local emergency alert broadcast television or radio station. So yes, TMI is shut down. The They are no longer splitting atoms to create heat to boil water to spin a steam turbine generator in order to generate electricity. Boy, is that the long way around or what? But there are still fuel pools that are filled with highly radioactive used said radioactivity capable of being released into the atmosphere should anything go wrong there. There's also the highly radioactive containment vessel that... If something should go wrong, there's an earthquake, there's a crack, there's a terrorist move, 
it could be releasing radiation as well. So why take the warning system offline on the off chance that nothing will go wrong ever that people need to be warned about? But hey, it's all part of saving every possible penny that they can so that Exelon executives can keep their bonuses. And to heck with the safety of anybody who happens to still be living in that area. And all of this, the combination of both stories, is the reason why, yes, you, Exelon, are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none nuts of the week. We'll continue with Nuclear Hot Seat special Numbnuts of the Year 2020 in just a moment. But first, people ask me how I keep doing Nuclear Hot Seat week after week after week, coming up on episode number 500 next month. Through the years, I've given lots of glib answers like, I can't not, or how do you look away from a train wreck, to, well, you gotta do something during COVID lockdown. But the truth is, I consider it a privilege to be bringing you this information. I started the show because I was reading so much, taking in all the post-Fukushima bad news, that I had to have a way to get it out of me. So I sat in my living room, talked into a microphone, and thought maybe a handful of people somewhere or another might be willing to listen. Now, the show is broadcast over the Pacifica Audio Port Network, downloaded in 123 countries that we know of, and we're working to update that stat. And in recent weeks, the show has ranked at number one through number 50 of business podcast listings in such far-flung places as Bolivia, Mongolia, Indonesia, Czech Republic, Sweden, and whoever signed up to our database from Fiji, thank you. And of course, we've got the usual suspects in the U.S., Japan, Canada, U.K., basically There's no place in the world untouched by nuclear issues, and Nuclear Hot Seat covers them all on a rotating magazine format as best we can. And thank you, you are listening. As we escape 2020 and move forward, so will the show, but it can only be done with your help. A donation of any size will keep us in the full upright position, filling you in every week on nuclear numbnutsery and evils. So right now, While the spirit is upon you, go to NuclearHotSeat.com and click on the big red Donate button. Be it a one-time support or a recurring donation of as little as $5 a month, know that your donations are essential to my ability to continue this work. So whatever you can do to help, please do. And know that I am deeply grateful that you're listening and that you care. Now back to our annual special, Nuclear Hot Seats, Numbnuts of the Year. Food, glorious food. Except if there's radiation involved. Japan's got a lock on the problems of radiation in food, or at least it did according to our Numbnuts last year. If you like sushi, here's our Numbnuts from episode number 448 on January 22nd. And note that this took place before the 2020 Olympics were canceled. Japanese supermarket chain Eon Company Limited, Asia's biggest retailer by sales, aims to start selling eco-certified sushi this year, just in time for an expected surge in tourists during the radioactive Tokyo Olympics. 
Japan has lagged behind Europe and the United States in adopting policies on traceability and sustainability fisheries, but said nothing about testing for radioactivity. Kurosushi President Kunihiko Tanaka also defended the safety of the seafood in Japan, including those from Fukushima, site of the 2011 nuclear disaster, proudly claiming that Kurosushi planned to open a restaurant in Fukushima. Meanwhile, South Korea, one of six countries that refuses to touch anything that comes out of the ocean near Fukushima, has its Olympics committee planning to buy radiation detectors and ship homegrown ingredients to Japan for its athletes during the Olympics because of concerns over radiation in the food. You may want to believe and push the belief that everything is A-OK with seafood from Japan, but let's just get that clock ticking, counting down to what people's health is going to be, and let's track it. Anybody who eats sushi, let alone sushi in Japan, including fish from Fukushima, perhaps eaten in Fukushima, let's find out what your health is like in 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 and more years from now. And whether you're going to look back at that meal and go, gee, that was not particularly smart. And that's why Kurosushi and Eon Company Limited, you are this week's Nuts of the Week. Can't have sushi without rice, even if it does come from Fukushima Prefecture. This is from Nuclear Hot Seat 483, September 23rd, 2020. In its ongoing struggles to erase all memory of the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster and resulting radiation contamination of the land in that prefecture, the prefecture itself has announced it's got a new high-quality rice it's going to be putting out on the market in an attempt to rebrand itself. The new brand, labeled Fukuwarai, which translates into luck, laugh, two words that one does not usually associate with Fukushima. The new rice is labeled as brimming with Fukushima pride, and it's meant to compete with the most luxurious rice strains in Japan. While anyone who disses Fukushima agricultural products is accused of being fear-mongering and being against the farmers of Fukushima, at the same time, there are ongoing citizen monitoring groups that are measuring food and the soil in the area for radioactivity. Some of these are referred to as grandma and grandpa labs because those are the people who have transformed themselves into citizen scientists in order to determine whether the food they eat and the water they drink and the soil they grow things in is or is not radioactive. This is necessary because keep in mind, Radiation is measured officially as happening external to the body, but if you eat it, drink it, or inhale it, it becomes internal to the body and that much more deadly. So those officials who are pushing high-quality rebranded rice from Fukushima as the latest high-end luxury goods without providing measurements, data, and the impact of what that rice would do if there's any radioactivity in it and it gets inside a human body. All of you who are complicit in that, you are this week's Nuts of the Week. And if you're looking to have a peach of a time in Japan, head on down to Fukushima for a real sweet treat. At least that's what they're promising. From Nuclear Hot Seat number 475, 
July 29. A peach full of sugar helps the radiation go down. At least that's what a farmer in Fukushima Prefecture is hoping. That's because fifth-generation peach farmer Koji Furuyama has been striving to decontaminate the region's reputation by growing the world's sweetest peaches. Mm-mm-mm. He's also getting big publicity about it, which means that he's probably a favorite of the 2021 Olympic Committee. But to quote Nuclear Hot Seat's French friend and journalist Hervé Courtois, you have to be either a masochist or suicidal to play Russian roulette by eating those Fukushima Prefecture peaches. Agreed, Hervé. It was a sweet piece of propaganda that got out into the world. And that's why, Koji Furiyama and whoever wrote this article, you are this week's Nuts of the Week. There's lots of nuclear stupidity to go around. When it comes to nuclear reactors, every country wants one. It's the illusion that they're playing in the big boys club, when all they're doing is buying into the generation of a toxic legacy from which they will never be free. Here's one example from Nuclear Hot Seat 471 from July 1st. The latest country angling for nuclear technology? Rwanda, which is working in collaboration with Russia to share nuclear technology expertise. Mm-mm-mm. Members of the Rwandan parliament oppose the project, saying nuclear energy is dangerous and expensive. They raise concerns on the source of funding, nuclear waste management, and how the potential nuclear explosions will be mitigated and how Rwandans will directly benefit. Current government counters that the acquisition of nuclear technology will help boost major sectors of the economy, such as agriculture, health, <laughs> education, sciences, and industry. No, darling. It makes you a pawn of Russia forever. Because you can't fuel a nuclear reactor with other than whoever created that nuclear reactor to begin with. You can't use aftermarket replacement parts. You will forever be tied to Russia for a combination of the parts and the training of personnel for these nukes. Part of an arms race on the ground. And that's why whoever in Rwanda is still considering this proposition... You are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of the week. It has occurred to me that all this push by the United States, China, and Russia to sell nuclear reactors to previously nuke-free countries has a potentially sinister subtext. If a new country buys its technology from, say, China, it needs China to train its personnel and to provide replacement parts that's because there's no such thing as aftermarket fuel rods and off-brand you can buy for less through a competing dealer. So a country that buys nuclear technology is forever indebted and under the influence, if not control, of the country that supplies them with the goods and knowledge in the first place. And that bond is forever. Because when push comes to political shove, if China wants something out of, say, Rwanda, and Rwanda doesn't want to provide it, China can just turn its back and deny replacement parts, training, personnel, everything needed to keep the damn things running. In that way, the hawking of nuclear technology might be seen as an invisible arms race from which there can be no exit strategy possible. 
It's a deal with the devil when you get a nuke, one that the devil will inevitably win. So for any country considering getting this technology that hasn't had it in the past, just say no. Of course, there are other stupid offshoots of nuclear. Take this story out of Chernobyl from Nuclear Hot Seat 450 on February 5th. What's the latest tourist hotspot? Chernobyl! Ever since the HBO series showed how horrific and the radioactive contamination that followed was, people just can't wait to visit the scene where it happened and take selfies with the invisible radiation that's going to wreck their health and their genetic downline. The Guardian, a British paper, just published a series of tourist photographs, including some at a souvenir shop with a radiation symbol plainly displayed. The problem is that, as you will hear in today's featured interview, this models dangerous behaviors that could be duplicated or embellished upon by visitors to Japan for the Olympics torch relay or the games themselves, coronavirus permitting. The boundaries around the radioactive zones are not secure. A determined idiot, like the host of Dark Tourist, a series on Netflix, a man who ignored warnings and got himself in a serious radiation zone on camera, those people could go and dance around in a radiation zone that is four times or more higher than what is allowed at the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Mm-mm. Can't wait to see their babies, presuming they can even have any. Thrill-seekers, serious thrill-seekers, can just as well get their adrenaline fix by bungee jumping, running with the bulls at Pamplona, or going unarmed into Walmart in an open-carry state. But hey, what you can't see can't hurt you, unless it's radiation. And then, oh, brother. And that's why... Any tourist dumb enough to go into Chernobyl or any other radiation zone like Fukushima in order to get their jollies, you are this week's None That's Out of the Week. The 2020 Radioactive Olympics provided story after story about nuclear stupidity. The IOC scheduled preliminary softball matches to take place in Fukushima Prefecture, something we'll be hearing more about in next week's show. But worst of all, They scheduled the Olympic torch run to take place for three days through the Fukushima evacuation and radiation zone in areas still too hot for people to live. As the wave of COVID-19 began to rise, the pressure to cut back on the torch run started to rise as well, though, as you will hear, not many people took heed. This is from Nuclear Hot Seat 457, March 24th. When the flame first landed in Japan, close to 200 people gathered to watch, and pictures of the crowd showed children with no masks or other protections from the coronavirus. When the flame was displayed in Sendai, which is only 66 kilometers or 41 miles from Fukushima, close to 52,000 people stood in line for hours, waiting for one minute where they could take a selfie with the flame. Only as of late Monday, March 23rd, was it announced that the torch relay would not be canceled, but downsized to a lit lantern in a car that drives the route with no runners, no torches, and no spectators. Next, I predict it will be turned into a big lighter in a clown car and will be canceled as soon as it has gone through Fukushima for three days just to show how quote-unquote recovered things are.
None that sound a week. And regarding that torch run, George Takei, best known as playing Sulu on the original Star Trek, got me good. This is from Nuclear Hot Seat number 458, just one week after the previous numbnuts. George Takei, known internationally as Sulu in the original Star Trek series, as well as for his ongoing snarky social media presence, has just announced that he has been chosen to be the final torchbearer to light the eternal flame at the Radioactive Tokyo 2021 Olympics. Takei wrote on his Facebook page just today, I am honored beyond belief to have been selected to be the final torchbearer who will light the Olympic flame in Tokyo in 2021. This will be such a unique moment before the eyes of a billion people, lighting the torch as a symbol of hope for the future in 2021 in Tokyo. No, George, no! Or as Sulu might understand... The Prime Directive from Star Trek prohibits its members from interfering with the internal and natural development of alien civilizations. Okay, it's not alien, it's Japan, but still. By your being in Japan, conned into lighting the torch as a symbol that everything is a-okay in that country, you will be giving support and comfort to the nuclear industry's narrative and interfering with the ability of Fukushima survivors to avoid being forced to return to highly radioactive lands, to receive an ongoing dose of radiation that will damage their health, the health of their children, their unborn children, and any generation that actually manages to be born after that. Do not set up the Japanese Fukushima evacuees for disease and death. It will be an ugly legacy for you and Sulu and destroy all the good you've done until now. Turn down Japan, George. Turn down the Olympics. Do not allow yourself to be used by them and stand with the evacuees from Fukushima. That is the statement you need to make and one that will live long and honorably beyond any thrill you might receive from lighting that flame. As for this week's award... The Olympic Torch Relay Committee and its evil minions at Dentsu Public Relations, which I'm certain dreamed up this heinous manipulation of you, George. All of them are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of the week. Pretty good head of steam, huh? The only problem was that I neglected to notice the date that Takai posted it. April 1st. Yep. It was an April Fool's joke, and I got to be the fool. I did post a retraction the following week and have lambasted Takai through posts and messages for his unfunny joke, which gave comfort to the nuclear enemy. Unfortunately, this post is inevitably going to show up again as we approach April 1st because Trekkies around the world want to rejoice. Just don't fall for it. I already did that well enough for all of us. The nuclear industry keeps inventing and pushing forward its bad ideas. If big old reactors are too large, expensive, time-consuming, and nigh on to impossible to build anymore, they go on to promoting SMRs, small modular reactors, which are small modular nuclear reactors, only they don't like to use that word if it's possible to avoid it because it makes a lot of people nervous. The modular makes it sound like Legos, 
And now they're touting meltdown-free new nukes for designs that have not even been built, let alone tested. And of course, no one is talking about the forever legacy of radioactive waste that will be produced. Here's just one SMNR numnuts from Nuclear Hot Seat number 472, July 9. The nuclear industry, always on the lookout for the next way they can scam big bucks out of the government by some incredible promise, says that they have come up with a new fuel, which they call nuclear powerballs, and that they may make meltdowns a thing of the past. These theoretical new nukes, none of which has been designed, let alone built, will be fueled by what is being called TRISO, T-R-I-S-O, which consists of millions of submillimeter-sized grains of uranium individually wrapped in protective shells. Industry press releases refer to it as a radioactive gobstopper, whatever that's supposed to mean. Each particle of fuel has three alternating layers of graphite and a ceramic called silicon carbide, and each particle is smaller than a poppy seed. Promoters claim that a combination of new reactor designs plus this new fuel, you will have essentially created an accident-proof reactor. Which brings to mind what they used to say about the Titanic before it was built. And it doesn't help their case that the name of this miraculous new fuel comes from the Spanish trisar, which means to crack or chip. Going to have to do a cost-benefit analysis on rebranding that name. And all this is why anyone who is touting these buckyballs of Treso as the way to create nuclear safety in the future, you are this week's Numbnuts of the Week! In nuclear, the bottom line is that it all comes down to politics. It's the politicians who make the financial decisions of what to do with our taxpayer dollars, pass or block laws and regulations, hedge their bets against how much money their friendly neighborhood nuclear interests will or will not give to their re-election campaigns. And this cuts across party lines, showing both Democrats and Republicans to be as tone-deaf and bamboozled by propaganda as the other. The Democrats made it official this summer during their national convention. From Nuclear Hot Seat 479, July 27. The Democratic Party, during their national convention, released the party platform, which stated that when it comes to energy, they favor a, quote, technology-neutral approach that includes existing and advanced nuclear. It's the first time since 1972 that the Democratic Party has said anything positive in its platform about nuclear energy, and they shouldn't have done it. Nuclear is not carbon neutral. From uranium mining to transport to manufacture to purification to the debris that gets left over from all nuclear reactor operation to what has to be done to store is nuclear intense. The darn things don't even run on the energy that they produce. They've got to import it from the grid. And where is that grid energy coming from? It's not coming from nuclear sources. And unfortunately, in this country, we don't bother to look at what a combination of solar and wind and geothermal and hydroelectric and all the other genuinely renewable sources can do to generate that electricity. 
So it's usually carbon-based electricity that runs nuclear reactors. This is short-sighted numbnutsery based on propaganda, false information, and who knows how much money under which table to which Democrats until suddenly, ta-da, now we're supposed to be in favor of nukes. Well, I gotta tell you, when it comes to numbnutsery, this is top of the line. And that's why Democratic Party and the asshats behind this particular plank in your let's fall through the floorboards into the abyss platform, you are this week's Numbnuts of the Week. And to those who look to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Green New Deal to save us, guess again. Episode number 467 from June 3rd. Oh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Who slipped you the Kool-Aid, the nuclear Kool-Aid to drink? AOC is now mouthing off saying that nuclear is possibly part of the Green New Deal. No, 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 and oh yeah, no. Nuclear is not green, can never be green, and can never be part of a genuine Green New Deal. And that is why, AOC, it breaks my heart to say it, but you, darling, are this week's Numbnuts of the Week. And now, with the formerly anti-nuclear president-elect Biden coming out in favor of nukes in the Green New Deal, well, we won't be lacking for numbnuts in the coming year. And then there's evil numbnuts, the lies and recasting of history that seem to imbue our nuclear roots with a golden, almost holy glow of goodness. In this bookend to this week's numbnuts on Los Alamos County, being cited as the healthiest place to live in America, comes this numbnuts from July 22nd, episode number 474, which happened just in time for some truly awful anniversaries. I hope you've got a strong stomach. Lisa Gordon Haggerty, who leads the National Nuclear Security Administration that oversees the nation's nuclear programs, has said that the Trinity test that detonated the first atomic bomb 75 years ago led to great progress in science, national defense, and even peacekeeping. A direct quote, I hope I can impart how it contributed to the betterment of humanity. Oh, what betterment? Like 200,000 dead from the blasts in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, radiation deaths that follow and continue to this day, the release of deadly radioactive plutonium with a half-life of 24,000 years. How does that contribute to the betterment of humanity and peacekeeping, Lisa Gordon Haggerty? Because the only thing I see it contributing to is making you this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, Numbnuts of the Week. And as a footnote, there were 23 new active cases of COVID-19 this week at National Nuclear Security Administration sites, the second consecutive week of double-digit increases. Of course, the NNSA does not specify the locations where the new cases were reported because the less you know, the less you can do about it. And now, Nuclear Hot Seats 2020 Numbnuts of the Year. (laughs) Donald J. Trump and his entire administration. Now, before you go nuts, know that I'm not letting his predecessor 
Barack Obama off the hook because he also took colossal steps immediately after he took office to ramp up and modernize our nuclear arsenal, modernizing quotes. But the trail of nuclear blunders by the still current president boggles the mind and terrifies the heart. We don't have time to be all-inclusive, but here are just a few of the highlights. Even before he took office, Trump said of our nuclear arsenal, if we have nuclear weapons, why can't we use them? He followed Obama's lead and continued to order the Department of Energy to enhance the U.S. nuclear weapons arsenal. He canceled America's participation in the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, which stopped an entire class of mid-range nuclear weapons that Russia could have used to put Europe, the U.K., and the Middle East in terrible danger. Withdrew America from the Iran nuclear deal in which Iran agreed to shift its nuclear program from weapons production to peaceful commercial use for 10 years. Tensions between the U.S. and Iran in the wake of that decision have steadily risen and reached a boiling point in the early days of 2020, sparking fears of war. He threatened North Korea, this back in August of 2017, with fire and fury like the world has never seen escalating tensions between the two countries and reviving the real chance of war with the world's newest nuclear-armed nation. Not only pulled the U.S. out of the Open Skies Treaty, which used specially equipped unmanned aircraft to perform arterial surveillance flights to monitor military forces and activities of 36 countries, he has since ordered the special planes to be destroyed, smashed down to scrap, so there's no chance of them being revived in a new administration. Pushed for more uranium mining, uranium stockpiling, which we don't need, increased plutonium pit production, which are nuclear weapons triggers, talked about resuming nuclear weapons test explosions, plus there's all that money to the nuclear industry. $11 billion tucked inside the most recent COVID stimulus package is just one example of it, and there is so much more. Here's the big question. In a nuclear sense, because of this president's actions, are we as a country more secure or less secure than we were four years ago? And the answer is less. Far, far less. And remember, Trump is still the only person in the world with irrefutable, incontrovertible, unblockable access to nuclear launch codes which gives him the ability to nuke any target we've got within 15 minutes of deciding to do so. And no one can stop him. All of this is why, in the waning days of your administration, Donald J. Trump, you have the dubious honor of receiving Nuclear Hot Seats 2020 Numbnuts of the Year. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, December 29, 2020. I have a whole set of acknowledgments here. Thanks to Joni Ahrens for her insights about Los Alamos County's toxic legacy and why it's not such a healthy place to live. For help with numbnuts of the year, Jim Torson, Lonnie Clark, Bill Smyrno, you support me in so many ways. I want to thank the Nuclear Hot Seat Weekly Posting Heroes, 
Tara Johnson Douglas for keeping the cats herded, Pam Mole, Wesley Strubing, Patty Amino. Tara is retiring to RV around the country with her husband, socially distanced, of course, and we're in need of more people to help us post the show, get it out so that everybody can find it. So if you've got about 15 minutes a week, you can be instrumental in helping get Nuclear Hot Seat into the world, as well as be joining with a fun group of people who post. You are my heroes. So if you're interested, shoot me an email or a Facebook message to take one of our few remaining spots. To all of my guests and those of you who have brought them to my attention, wow, I could not do it without you. This sharing of the expertise, insights, thoughts, suggestions, and yes, even humor, has helped us get through another year of tracking the madness that is nuclear. And I literally could not do it without you. Gratitude always for our theme song and numbnut stinger to Marilee Weber and John Barnard. I wrote the words and hummed the ditty, but they turned it into music and recorded it for me at Winslow Court Studio in Hollywood. Now, for those of you out there who may not be on our mailing list, if you want Nuclear Hot Seat delivered via email every week, it's easy. Go to NuclearHotSeat.com, the yellow box, that's an opt-in, and sign up for weekly email links to the latest show. We also need your participation, so if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email, please email not Facebook this one. Send it to info at NuclearHotSeat.com. And if you appreciate weekly verifiable news updates about nuclear issues around the world, take a moment and go to NuclearHotSeat.com. Look for that big red button. Click on it and anything will help and know that we will really appreciate your support. This episode of Nuclear Hot Seat is copyright 2020, Libby Halevi and Hardestry Communications. All rights reserved, but fair use allowed, as long as proper attribution is provided. This is Libby Halevi of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we need all of you in the coming year and years. So unless you live in COVID-free New Zealand, and you know who you are, Kevin Hester, stay home when you can, mask up, social distance, wash your hands, stay healthy, stay alive. And whatever you do when it comes to this nuclear wake-up call, Don't go back to sleep, because we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat, what have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat, the corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat. It's the bomb.